the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So technology is all about the future. We're going to have floating cars. We're going to have food that comes out of a machine that's made inside the machine that's delicious. We're going to have the cure for cancer. The future is technology, but technology this week went big time in reverse. I want to go down on record as saying this is it. This is a good thing slash moment. I don't know many of these companies that are failing, like Twilio and Stripe, because I have a show that's dedicated to companies that make billions of dollars or millions of dollars, not companies that are going to be the next big thing. Sure, we talk about DoorDash. Sure, we talk about um, some of the up-and-coming companies. But when Lyft lays off 14% of its 13% of its workforce, you're like, oh, what's that mean? They're not letting go of the drivers. They're letting go of the corporate offices. Um, we've written out the good times, and we're saying now's the time to say we need some layoffs. kind of the death of Twitter is filled today with people who are leaving messages about workers and friends who have left the company. Twitter employees are flocking to Twitter, sharing posts that they've been laid off, posting tributes to staff, pictures of colleagues and critiques of Elon Musk. I don't know about you, but he is tur- he has evolved from, hey, isn't he the guy who does the electric vehicle who happened to be around PayPal at one point. Oh, he's a billionaire now. Oh, he's got a rocket company. Oh, he's got a company that drills holes under the under the world and you can drive cars through the tunnels, even though none of us have been in a tunnel that does that. Isn't he that guy? And now, ever since Saturday Night Live, he's been just... Before Saturday Night Live, there's some quirkiness. There's some tweets when the kids got trapped in the cave where he called one of the divers a pedophile, a pedo. And you're like, why did you have to say that? Like, isn't this about saving kids right now and not like being braggadociously man? Uh, Yeah, it should be. And then he gets into Saturday Night Live and where he talks about having autism. And he gets Grimes pregnant once, twice, and then gets an employee at SpaceX pregnant and comes out and says... Uh, the world needs to be populated. Otherwise, we're doomed. And we got to get off the planet Earth. Otherwise, it, we're going to hurl into the sun and we're doomed. And the last year, about tw- like, oh, I'm moving to Texas. Screw California. Even though California gave him everything that he has. And the federal government gave him tax breaks on his car, which created billions of dollars for his own personal wealth. So he moves to Texas, kind of throws the middle finger at California, throws the middle finger at government, becomes very Republican in tweets, which is fine. I just don't know if we ask our celebrities and our billionaires to be our political mentors. 
I, you know, I see it on both sides. You know, Taylor Swift was really, 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 really quiet, politically speaking, until she turned 25. And she realized I've got millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of young women who has followed every album, every step of my career. And I need to talk about women's rights because they're going to be lying in my next album. So Twitter is seeing the mass layoffs this week. It looks like 50% at least of the workforce. Um, and if you go and literally take a look at some of the tweets that are going out, I'm not going to say it's heartbreaking. It's dramatic. And for me, three things have to happen for drama. A man and a woman, not drama. A man and a woman, and death is drama. Two kings from two different countries, not drama. Two kings and one queen in between the two of them, drama. What's the third component of the drama in Twitter? You got old Twitter, new Twitter, and Elon Musk. It's a threesome. You need three to be dramatic. Two's not. So some of the tweets that I'm reading right now, what a bittersweet phase, not because I'm gone, but because it's gone. One Twitter employee who I don't know said, tweet from my team and I, love y'all and thank for the honor of a lifetime. Honor of a lifetime working at Twitter? Okay. No, no, trust me. This is an honor of a lifetime too. And one day when I'm gone, I hope I get that last Friday tell you goodbye. Typically how it works in radio. When I work for Clear Channel, see, uh, yeah, Clear Channel. Um, you get your call Friday after your show. Show ends at 10 a.m. Boss says, hey, come on into my office. Let's have a quick talk. Uh, we're letting you go. And they don't tell you Thursday because they're afraid you're going to trash the radio station management on Friday. And I've had a big security man walk me out the door. And I'm like, uh, I'm actually pretty comfortable in life. And I'm not going to miss this job because I'm tired of getting up there early in the morning and driving all the way here. So don't don't stress about me. And you don't have to have the big security guy who looks like he could murder me. Like with like split me in half, kind of like dramatic. But that's how radio works. Here's another tweet from a uh, Twit employee. I don't even know how to say these names. I'm so fiercely proud of the privacy, security, and IT teams at Twitter. I've seen you do great work and get really good at getting that great work done in the face of enormous challenges. No matter what happens, I've been so lucky. Thank you. Another employee. Well, Twitter, it's been real and it's been fun, but in the end, it has not been real fun. My career, my character, and my aspirations are forever changed by this incredible place, and more importantly, it's people. Be well, Tweeps. What I'm fascinated about is the future. And remember how I started the segment by saying .com 2.0, web 2.0. We've seen the stocks get murdered in earnings season this year, this quarter. We've seen companies like Twilio, which most of us don't know what they really do. We've seen companies like Swipe, where most of us don't know what they do. Like We barely know what eBay does. We've seen a lot of companies fail aggressively. And seen their stock down 60, 70, 80. In dot-com 1.0 bust in 2000, 2002, the NASDAQ went down 80%. We're now starting to see NASDAQ-type growthy, frivolous stocks go down 80%. What happened after that was a massive rally. Not today. 
But sometime in the next six months, we're going to put in the bottom. Not today, but sometimes in the next six months. It could happen after elections, typically the 12 months after midterms. SP 500 is up 15%. And typically after the Fed pivots, the SP 500 is up 15%. And we're going to get both of those, in my belief, in the next six months. There also needs to be one more event. There needs to be that whoosh where the 25 year old says, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. I'm never buying stocks again. I tried it. I did it. I didn't like it. I hate it. You need to see the VIX hit 40, at least 35. You need to see panic. You need to see Time Magazine come out with uh, the, the, the man of the year. The stock market is dead. The story of the year, the stock market is dead. No one, are stocks and bonds broken forever? Should we be buying guns and stuffing money in our mattresses? We haven't had that dramatic third party yet of the market going down. Tech stocks going down. We need that whoosh to make it a three. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Sometimes it takes me a month to respond to email. Sometimes it takes me a day. Um, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblack.com if you want to go on the shorter version of that. Um. I get up early. I stay up late. When I wake up at two in the morning, I start my day, even though I want to start my day at four. I can't fall back asleep. I do a lot of reading. And I've watched this stuff for many, many, many years. And I work with certified financial planners and I work with researchers and I work with a certified chartered financial analyst. Um, I get the business model. Don't be shy. Again, big event coming up November 17th in Palo Alto. Um, it's about income and retirement. It's for me. It's for people over 50 with $500,000 or more who need to figure out what does retirement look like as far as income goes? What are the strategies behind Social Security? What are the strategies behind taxes? Um, I've got enough that I can make some mistakes. But if I was worried about it, that's the event for me. So... That's how I look at it. Let's talk a little bit of, I'm going negative today, and it's just good criticism. Facebook's problem isn't the metaverse. Facebook's problem is Mark Zuckerberg, who is so rich that he's, he doesn't worry. He's lost $100 billion in value since he's announced his metaverse kick. Let that sink in for just one minute. Not his company, him. It's not the metaverse. It's he's so cocky and arrogant that he set up the voting structure at Facebook so that he can never be wrong. The board could say, you're wrong. We're going to fire you. And he's like, nope, I got all the voting power. And the lemmings and the, the people on Wall Street are like, yep. What a great company. If he were to like gag on edamame this weekend and die, that stock would go up probably 50% in a day. 
Eh, that's a little of a bit of an exaggeration, but you get the idea. If the metaverse were to suddenly go away, but he doesn't have to let it go away because he has the voting rights. And the company has billions of dollars from the success of Instagram and the success of Facebook that continues to be successful, that he could just put it all in this, this idea of the metaverse. Now, again, I've seen some of the metaverse video on haunted houses, and it's awesome. I've seen some of the video on the metaverse in the corporate America, and it's awful. Is virtual reality part of our future? Absolutely. But right now, I think that future should stay at the shopping mall, where you take your kids on their birthday and they get, and they get to spend an extreme amount of money for a 10-minute experience of having zombies attack them. I think Zuck has to go, and until he goes, this isn't over. Until he quits Metaverse, this isn't over. We need that whoosh down. <clears throat> we need the sacrifice. The King Kong moment where, uh-oh, you pissed him off. <laughs> he starts to roar. You know what killed King Kong? And this is how I think about things. I think all drama happens in three. There's a big monkey, and he was in love with a girl. It was King Kong, woman, and love. Love is what killed King Kong. Or is it a woman that killed King Kong? <laughs> Let's just say something went terribly, terribly wrong in that relationship. Okay, I'm done with Zuckerberg for the day. Uh, what shall we hit now? You know, with the higher interest rates, if you've taken a look at online savings accounts, they're yielding anywhere between 3 and 4% right now. If your cash is yielding 0%, you're the biggest loser in the world. You. I'm talking to you. For the first time in a long time, the bond market's starting to look at pretty interesting, in particular to me, the municipal bond market. It's down 13% for the year. It's showing its worst showing in at least 40 years. Yields have jumped to 4.2% from 1.1%. When, when yields go from 1.1 higher to 4.2, the people that bought it 1.1 are screwed. The value goes down in that bond. I don't care because now they're off being offered at 4.2% and I'm pretty attracted to that. It's like municipal bond. I'm Rob Black. Uh, do you smoke cigarettes? Can I buy you dinner? Coffee? Cappuccino? Frappuccino? Anything? Munis are now in the 3 to 5% range. They started the year off in the 1% to 2% range. You lock in now, you're going to get your money back if the city stays in business, if the state stays in business, or if the federal government stays in business. Well, it's more municipal than federal. Um, so I, I retract that part of the statement. Um, municipal bonds are looking pretty attractive right now. And the beautiful thing about a California municipal bond, and let me explain this real quick. Um... A municipal bond is bond, i.e. you give them $100 and they say, we're going to give you 1% back every year for three years, every year for five years. And at the end of five years, you get all your money back on top of it. That's a bond. It's an IOU from a government. It's an IOU from a corporation. And they promise a yield on top of it. Municipal bonds are beautiful tax-favored vehicles where you can buy a California municipal bond living in California at 4%. Well, let's use this example. Let's use Palo Alto. You can get a California library municipal bond. 
Palo Alto decides we need a library. It needs to be state of the art. It needs to be the best library in the, all of California. And for that fact, all the world. We're cocky, arrogant. We have Mark Zuckerberg as our neighbor. And he's not going to go for any old library. He's, he wants the best. So they'll come to the public and say, um, we need $100 million for a new library. And we'll give you 3% if you loan us $1,000 for three years. Because it take us three years to build it. You're like, Palo Alto's rich and they've got wealth there and there's a lot of companies there. And like, yeah, it'll, it'll, it's an environment where it'll likely pay it back. I think it's Stockton, like Stockton, also known as the armpit of California, goes, uh, we need money for uh, uh, a baseball stadium. And we're going to yield, we're going to give you 5% because we're Stockton. We smell bad. Uh, I'm I'm using an extreme example. Don't write hate letters. Don't don't cancel me. I'm just trying to show you California's got some rich cities like Palo Alto, and they've got some poor cities like Stockton, where the street sign "Don't leave your don't leave valuables in your car because they will be stolen." Our police can do nothing about it. it kind of sounds like San Francisco to me. Um, but I'm using Stockton as an example because there's not great jobs there. The best job in Stockton, do you know what it is? It's cutting the head of a chicken and watching it bleed out. Not watching it bleed out, but letting it bleed out and then processing into uh, chicken breast that Rob likes to have in his walk on Friday nights. Because he saw a recipe with Gordon Ramsay making fried rice. Stockton's probably not going to pay back that uh, baseball stadium because you know what? On Friday nights, people don't want to go to the baseball stadium in Stockton. Too damn hot. Uh, they want to partake in crime and violence. And I know you're saying you're painting Stockton as evil. I'm just trying to use an extreme example. But because it's riskier, Stockton gives you a higher yield. Because it's safer, Palo Alto gives you a lower yield. That's how the bond market kind of works. And for me right now, the, the municipal, oh, and the best part about municipal bonds, let's say, let's say by miracle of all miracles, Stockton pays it back. The income that you got 5% a year, you don't pay any taxes on it. California wants Californians to invest in California. Virginia wants Virginians to invest in Virginia. So municipal bonds get that tax advantage of no income tax. So for the first time in my life, because of my age and my wealth, I'm looking at municipal bonds for a long-term income component, potentially in my retirement. Haven't pulled the trigger. And I backed away from the statement pretty aggressively as it came out of my mouth. But that's what the market has wrought. That's what the market has sown. That's what we get right now. Our income to take money and put in growth stocks ran for a good 10 years. And in the pandemic, when we stopped using our salaries to pay for things, we started using government bailout money. It became too speculative. And Peloton's paying for that right now. People got Pelotons on loans that the government gave them that they didn't have to pay back, that they were forgiven. Um, people bought things that they wouldn't normally buy. So I was looking at Peloton yesterday and their stock, and I have no interest, but I was looking at it so I could tell the story. Their rowing machine costs $3,200. Now I have a garage and I've got young men in my house. Um, and they're at the point now where they want to start building muscle. 
or they kind of want to start. I'm like, okay, let's go for a one mile jog and let's, let's go to see if we can get it to, and then I'll make a garage into the gym. One minute. I'm looking at the components that I'm going to put in a gym. Um, clearly you need a treadmill. Clearly you need a step machine. Clearly you need no rowing machine at $3,200. Nope. Not going to do that one. It's too expensive. Peloton. It's a beautiful product. It looks lovely. And if I had some bailout money, I might get it. But the problem with, with Peloton is it's too damn expensive. I can get them gym memberships for many, many, many years for what it costs to put that in my home gym. So I'm going to go free weights. I'm going to go probably a stair stepper and probably a running machine because it's a little bit easier to do it in the house than it is on a rainy day outside. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening. Spread the word on the podcast. My marketing budget is near zero uh, because the groups that I work with, that's what's happened in radio and television. Spread the word podcast, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. Um, I'd appreciate it. I'll keep doing this for many more years. I kind of have a feeling I'm going to be doing this when I'm 60 or 70, but I'll do it like once a week. I'll go back when I was younger. Um. Who had a meltdown this week? Kanye? Yay? What's interesting is now we're starting to get some of the details that Adidas is the right way of saying it. Believe it or not, it's not Adidas. So when you hear someone say Adidas, you're like, what are you saying? Um, Adidas came out this week and said, yeah, he was kind of bat poop crazy to work with, where he wanted us to set up a factory in Montana. And then no, a year later, he changed it. He wanted it in California and Calabasas. And they sent people to work in Montana and they sent people to work in Calabasas. And because he's moody or because he's off his medication or because he's uh, up or down, he would change people's life. I'm a little tired of his stuff. I'm a little tired of Elon Musk right now. I think I'm a little tired of all politics right now. I could use the holiday season where I don't watch the news, but guess what? In the midterm elections that are coming up, I think there's going to be drama. You know, there's always three parties that make drama. It's like a husband, a wife, and death. In this case, two boys and a girl. In this case, it's going to be Republicans, Democrats, and election deniers. I don't know, or conspiracy theorists, whatever we're talking about here. I, I think the elections are going to go bad. I get that feeling. Let's say a Democrat wins in Pennsylvania. It's going to get challenged. Let's say a Republican wins in Pennsylvania. I think it's going to get challenged. It just it feels like it's going to be a stressful time. And once the market is over with the elections and the drama is over, Wall Street's going to be like, sweet. I think there's a good chance for a rally at the end of the year. Um, we know what the Fed's doing. Demon known versus demon unknown. We know some tech stocks are breaking like Peloton. Breaking. 
Do you remember when the first sign that we had that Peloton was falling apart was two years ago? During a commercial with Ryan Reynolds. I think it was, was it right. No, it wasn't Ryan Reynolds. Um, he eventually does a commercial with Peloton making fun of that commercial. But the commercial was a guy gets his wife a Peloton bike for Christmas. And it's like, ooh, you calling your wife fat? Ooh. Someone at a marketing agency got fired for sure. And then they ran into the unfortunate problem that it was such a hot gift that the Sex and the City remake wanted to use it on the show to kill off a major character. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The oddly inappropriate Big Daddy character of Sex and the City died in the reboot on a Peloton. And it all went downhill from there. But before that, it was like, isn't this cool? Howard Stern uses one. And there's this, there's this instructor that will yell at you and get you all excited. And you're competing against other people while you have basically an iPad on a, 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 a stationary bike. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. Too expensive. DoorDash is sprinting higher today. So this is a market of winners and losers. DoorDash had an earnings report. That shows consumers are not diving back on spending on food delivery, even as inflation cuts into their monthly budget. The company generated marketplace GOV gross order value of over 30%. Gross order value went up 30% year over year. That's some pretty darn good chicken. They beat analyst expectations. They improved on last quarter's 25% year over year growth. So last quarter, just 25%. This quarter, 30%. Wall Street loves that. It's a finished delivery company. I know you're saying, I thought they would be kind of a Silicon Valley company. Nope. Blame Finland for that one. But Uber kind of gave us an insight into that earlier in the week. Their delivery business, Uber Eats, has had plenty of skepticism regarding DoorDash's profit potential. This helps explain why the stock is still hovering around its $52 share IPO. Even though DoorDash's top-line growth has been high double-digit and even triple-digit gains. Unlike, or however like, however like Uber Eats, which posted adjusted EBITDA, which I'm not a big fan of EBITDA. EBITDA I learned about in the late 1990s. It stands for Earnings Before Interest, Tax Depreciation, and Amortization. So basically, it's made up. It's, it's what earnings would look like if the company didn't have to pay interest, tax, depreciation, or amortization. Which basically is fantasy because you do, otherwise you're out of business. DoorDash's profitability is improving, at least on, on that measure. In the third quarter, DoorDash's adjusted EBITDA edged higher by $1 million on a year-over-year basis to $87 million. So I'm not going to go after DoorDash. I love the story that they're a winner. I love the story that they're seeing growth. But I don't like that they're losing money. In this market environment, no thank you. Will it succeed? It probably will. It may not, but it probably will. Could you make money on trading it? You probably could. Will I? Definitely not. So Fed Reserve member out of Richmond said the jobs report shows labor market remains tight. He believes that real rates are positive right now. He expects slower pace of the rate increases with higher endpoint. If inflation were to persist, the Fed would need to take further action. Inflation needs to go back to the target. It's possible Fed rates can go up to 5%. He just told us 
every play in the playbook of the Federal Reserve right now. It's going to take time on this one, ladies and gents. Find me online at robblackshow.com. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. This is a funny day because it doesn't really matter at the launch. It's kind of where we finish the day or what is the reaction to the Federal Reserve? It's a very dramatic day. Um, at least CNBC wants you to think so. I know you're saying higher interest rates are dramatic. How about like a Super Bowl kind of drama? For us, it is kind of Super Bowl kind of drama. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com here to make sense of what's happening on financial markets. Briefing.com is a reliable source of domestic and international financial news. It is the way I start my day each and every day. Mr. O'Hare, how do we stand today on, on Fed Day? Well, good, good morning, Rob. Um, kind of standing, uh, you know, standing our ground in a way, you know, a little bit lower, but uh, clearly kind of a, a wait and see mindset has kicked in. Uh, market participants are all anxious to hear what the Fed says, uh, not really about today's move, but, you know, what it might hint with respect to the next move in December. Do you think the Fed will tip their hands? They raise interest uh, rates 75 basis points today. They're probably not going to say, you know, that's it. Any chance to give any tip, any hint, any like we're going to pause and reflect? Uh, There's a chance. Sure. I mean, you've heard a few Fed officials come out since the last meeting who have kind of suggested that, uh, you know, it might be time to sort of. Uh, uh, take account of the prior rate hikes and perhaps uh, take a step down from this uh, very aggressive rate hike path. That doesn't mean that they're not going to raise rates. It just means that, you know, maybe they raise rates by 50 basis points in December instead of 75 basis points. Uh, but I think the Fed chair is, is recognizes that, you know, he, he needs to be careful. Um, he d- doesn't want to uh, create an impression that the Fed is getting soft now on fighting inflation. You know, that's been the the emphasis and the, the most recent commentary um, after recent Fed decisions is that, look, you know, this is going to cause some pain. You know, uh, inflation is still too high. And the Fed thinks that it needs to get a, a, the labor market a lot softer to help with those inflation pressures. And, you know, we're still not seeing a lot of weakness in the labor market to, uh, in our estimation, make the Fed feel entirely comfortable that it's achieving its aim in that respect. So I think, you know, he might dangle a, a carrot, just, you know, a little carrot, baby carrot that, you know, that could possibly take a step down, but that everything's on the table, you know, in terms of uh, what they would do in December. Um, but I think probably the overarching message will be whether they go 50 or 75 in December, the overarching message is that the Fed recognizes that it's going to have to stay at a higher restrictive rate for longer uh, because it's still not convinced that it's making enough progress on either the you know the inflation front. Can I ask a little bit more about that? I just had him on a mortgage lender, and he was talking about it. rates go up, rates go down. And I'm talking to myself about potentially buying a house. Our audience is probably pretty interested. It's going to be my third or fourth house, whatever. Um, but I'm thinking late next year, interest rates will still be high, but prices should be a little bit lower. I get into it with maybe an adjustable rate mortgage for seven years. Sometimes in that seven years, the Fed lowers interest rates because the economy slows down and they're trying to stimulate. 
Am I thinking the right way? Or when you said interest rates might stay higher longer, how long in your head are you thinking? Well, you know, thinking not not through seven years, uh, frankly, you know, think more along the lines right now anyway, you know, probably stick there maybe through all of next year. Um, and uh, but but, you know, the caveat there is, you know, we have several other uh, inflation reports in front of us that that can change that uh, perspective. And, and that's, you know, and I, I have to think that way because the Fed is thinking that way. It's saying it's going to be data dependent and, uh, you know, if you need to see a lot more progress on the inflation front to, um, you know, make the Fed uh, to make us anyway, to make us think that the Fed is is willing to, uh, you know, pause and then and then eventually cut rates. Uh, and there's still not enough data out there, not any hard data that the Fed is looking at, it seems to suggest that that's where they're going to uh, to go uh, just yet. So and I think that. They're also using, you know, communication guidance uh, to uh, to kind of make it clear to the market that it's it's serious about getting inflation back down to the two percent target. Uh, and until it's convinced that it's making some real progress in that respect, it's going to have to stay at you know a higher you know restrictive rate for longer. I'm quoting your page one this morning. A large batch of earnings. Results since yesterday's close has been in play as a trading catalyst. For instance, advanced micro devices, CVS Health, Mondelay are up following the results while Airbnb, Estee Lauder, and Paramount Global are down. The one that stands out to me is AMD because they're a semiconductor, and that is a sector that's been hit hard. I'm taking a look at the numbers. I'm taking your AMD, and I'm seeing NVIDIA go up, AMD go up, and other semiconductors react positively today. Anything you're seeing in earnings that that – I'm not going to say is optimistic because I'm really not that guy. I'm, I'm realistic. What are you seeing in earnings? I'm not asking for a crystal ball. Well, you know, what it's the earnings, you know, uh, we're seeing continued downward revisions, frankly, in terms of okay. earnings estimates. And as you and I have discussed in, in past weeks, um, I think that that's a actually an important step toward reaching a bottom. You know, we need uh, more realistic earnings expectations. Um, probably still not there quite yet, um, but you know, as you look at the fourth quarter right now, you know, and uh, at, uh, at the end of June, fourth quarter earnings are expected to be close to to nine percent year over year, according to FactSet. Now they're they're basically looking at about flat, you know, up slightly, zero point two percent year over year. Um, you know, the third quarter uh, here, you know, we thought that they'd be up around nine and a half percent at the end of June, and now they're coming in. Up about 2.9 percent. So we have seen, you know, moderation in earnings growth, um, but probably still need to see more. I mean, according to facts that, you know, calendar 2023 earnings are still expected to be up about 6.4 percent or so over calendar 2022. And, uh, you know, we just think with, you know, again, as we discussed in the past here, given the lag effect of what the Fed is doing, the effort to try to slow the labor market, the you know stubbornly high inflation, the ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, the recession that's unfolding uh, in Europe, uh, the slowdown in China, the strong dollar, you know, all of that pieced together, you know, makes us think that it'll be really challenging to deliver earnings growth in calendar 2023. So, so what we're seeing is that you're seeing some moderation in that earnings growth estimate. Uh, you know, tough to endure here, you know, as it happens, but it's a necessary ingredient to 
develop some confidence that we're nearing or getting closer to to a bottom. So that's one component. The other component that we've seen, though, is just uh, how the market has reacted to earnings news. And I think an important consideration there is that we've seen these mega cap stocks uh, not deliver, you know, the types of earnings that they've been accustomed to reporting. Uh, and despite that, though, the broader market's held up quite well because you've had a rotation out of those mega cap names into some of the more uh, traditional cyclical value names. Uh, and uh, and that's been encouraging to see um, because you have seen a number of those cyclical value stocks uh, come down significantly in price as well and are looking uh, you know trading at more attractive uh, you know valuation levels um, you know relative to some of these mega cap stocks that still trade at um, you know above market multiples. You do a big a nice column on Fridays called the Big Picture. You do you start my day off each and every day. But it's that Friday column that I always like sitting down with and going, oh, that's a good thought. Page one is a daily for me. Um, the big picture is the wrap-up of the week. What are you working on this week or what may come out of you in the coming weeks? <laughs> well, uh, I, I chuckle only because we have two big you know, catalysts right in front of us. Uh, the okay. FOMC meeting we talked about. Uh, and the October employment report, you know, which is out on Friday before that's we right. open. Um, so... Uh, you know, as a market analyst, I, I would imagine and, and I'm kind of expecting that, you know, I'll be writing about either or both of those things and, and what they, you know, what they mean for, you know, for the market. Um, so I'm kind of in a wait and see mode myself in terms of uh, hearing what the Fed chair is going to say and, and um, you know, what we're going to see out of that employment report. Are there any analysts that you, and we've got about a minute, so keep it tight. Are there any analysts that you follow that you really like? Um, I always like Bayern Wien's top 10 predictions for 2023, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I find it infotaining. <laughs> well, I actually, you know, I've always, I've always enjoyed the commentary from Liz Ann Saunders, who's uh, okay. you know, the chief strategist at, at Charles Schwab. Um, and, and, and really, I've, I've liked her commentary because she, she always just kind of distills it in a very easy to, to understand, you know, way. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, half the battle here is as market analysts and particularly for someone like briefing.com, which also caters to, you know, catered to all types of investors, but particularly the retail investor, um, taking, you know, complex subject matter and making it uh, easy to digest and understand so that the self-directed uh, individuals know how to, um, how to manage their own portfolios. And so I've always appreciated her commentary. That's good insight. Thanks for joining us today. We'll have you back on next Wednesday as we start to wrap up the year. There's always something to talk about. Like you said, today is a Fed day. Friday is a employment jobs report day. And he likes Liz on San- Saunders. So you know what I'm doing right after the show today? I'm going to jump on and start reading some Liz on Saunders because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, but I'm not intimate with her her writing style. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find briefing at briefing.com. They do cater to the retail investor. Their product is not free, but I think it's worth every penny if you are trying to gather and consume information about individual companies, about the economy, about interest rates, about inflation, about world markets as well. You can find them at briefing.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.